The following podcast includes language my mother strenuously objects to. Hello and welcome to episode 293 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Uh, wow. Jam-packed show today. Ben, you want to run back uh, all the stuff we talked about? <laughs> I'm trying to remember right now. Um, okay, we started... What did we start with? Oh, we started I don't with, think we have to do it in order. We have lots, lots of important stuff that we talked about today. Okay, well, we did start with a little discussion of Khan Academy and the not-so-good advice that they're giving uh, a lot of their students. Much um, better way to approach conditional rules on logic games, uh, building worlds, than this uh, kind of antiquated advice that Khan Academy seems yeah, to be giving. Yeah, them, so yeah. we unpacked a lot of game stuff, which we don't usually do on the show because it's hard to explain verbally, but we just couldn't let this one go. Yep. We talked about your free class, which is something that anyone who can should take advantage of. Yeah, study group for the uh, June 2021 LSAT Flex. Uh, anybody with a free LSAT Demon account can register for that. LSATdemon.com, sign up for a free account and uh, come study with me on Zoom once a week between now and uh, all the way up to the uh, June 2021 LSAT Flex. Please yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. We also talked about the the confusion surrounding the testing cycle and uh, the limits on test taking. Can you take it three times in what cycle? When does that cycle begin or end? We don't know. You can hear a little bit more about that. It's kind of scary because it seems like there was some arbitrary shift in that date. Mm -hmm. And and we right now don't actually even know what the date is because they're giving conflicting information when you call them or when you email them. (laughs) Apparently there's different, they're giving a different date for the start stop date for how many times you can take it in a cycle. So yeah, we got we got the whole range of emails in the mailbag. We got we got one person who's going for free. They going they got a full scholarship and a stipend. Then we have someone who's lost and not even really sure about. It's not clear to us at least why they're going to law school, and we take them to town on that. And then we have this Florida coastal email, which we just dove into the whole like finance system behind law school and why it's such a sham. And I think that's useful for anyone to hear. If you're not motivated to not pay for law school yet, that discussion might be enough to push you over the edge, right? It's like, okay, I can really see where that money is going. And this is a big Ponzi scheme. Um, Don't play into that scheme. Use it to your advantage. The one other thing that we talked about was the new U.S. News and World Report mm. rankings. Oh, of course. Um, yes, yes. And, uh, it, you know, the short news there is that UCLA apparently is now in the top 14 and Georgetown is now out of the top 14. And Ben and I agree that that is an absolute zero as far as the real differences between those schools. We even propose a new rule for how to know whether a difference in rankings actually matters. Uh, we're yep. going to call that the hundred percent rule. The hundred percent rule. Um, basically, if there's not a one hundred percent difference between the rankings of the two schools, then it doesn't mean anything at all. Yep. Including dropping in and out of the T three or the T six or the T ten or the T fourteen or the T twenty five or whatever. They're <laughs> whatever all just T stupid, you want. Yeah. arbitrary, you know, numbers. Yeah. That, <laughs> I bet UCLA is now all about the top fourteen. You know, you, oh, they probably yeah, never yeah. mentioned the T fourteen ever before, and yeah. now they probably talk about the T fourteen all the time. Georgetown is the exact opposite. They used to probably, you know, really talk about the importance of going to a T fourteen school, and now that's going to just disappear from their vocabulary yeah yep. um anyway 
this show will air on Monday, April 12th. Upcoming events. Um, well, right now is the April LSAT flex. So good luck slash condolences if you're uh, taking the LSAT flex this week. Um, Friday, April 30th is the registration for the June um, LSAT. That's the deadline to sign up for the June LSAT, Friday, April 30th. And you don't really need to sign up now. You can kind of wait till that deadline to decide whether you think you're going to be ready or not. That test is going to be in the middle of June. So, you know, what we would normally recommend is that people kind of April 25th or so take a look at your trajectory. And, you know, if you feel like you're going to be ready for June, go ahead and sign up. If you don't feel like you're going to be ready for June, don't sign up uh, by April 30th. All right. Now let's dive in. Ben, uh, you put this uh, Pearls versus Turds candidate on the agenda, so I'm going to let you talk about it. Pearls versus Turds is the segment of the show where we take a bit of uh, wisdom with scare quotes from the internet, and we decide whether it's actually good advice or a turd. Why don't you take it away? Sure. Well, just to give you a little background here, um, you know in life sometimes you hear how bad something might be but it's, it's kind of hard to believe until you actually see it yourself and then you're like, holy cow, it's actually worse than what I thought. I mean, in other cases, right, you hear how bad someone might be or something might be and then you go see it yourself. You're like, this ain't that bad. Yep. Um, but anyways, I know we've said a lot of bad things about Khan Academy's LSAT preparation course. But just the other day, I was checking it out to see which tests they had in there and so forth. And I saw this lesson that said how to approach ordering setups. So this is one of their logic games uh, lessons. It's actually one of the very first lessons that they they give people. And I clicked through it and I, I was kind of like, what the heck is going on here? So we see that they're giving us a rule and the rule that they give us, this is an ordering rule. It says if A presents on Thursday, then B presents earlier than F. Which, by the way, side note here, this is so outdated in the sense that no games... <laughs> since like the third or fourth LSAT have used the letters A, B, C, D, or E as one of That's the variables. That's a good variables. point. Yeah. I, I didn't even notice that. But because they use A through E for their answer choices, I yep. guess, yeah. they no longer ever use A through E as their variables. Not that that's like... That doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have any substantive <laughs> meaning, but it's still, I mean, LSAC stopped doing that, right? Precisely yeah. because it's confusing. So, um, well, he, he goes on here. I mean, and I'm not, I don't think, I heard Sal Khan, uh, by the way, on a podcast recently. I've been listening to this uh, mm -hmm. People I Mostly Admire podcast, which okay. is by one of the Freakonomics guys. I always get the two Freakonomics guys hmm. confused, but okay. um, I really like all their podcasts, including Freakonomics. Um, and so he interviewed Sal Khan and, you know, the guy, he sounds like a very genuine, super smart guy who wants to transform all of education and, you know, more power to him, but they're not good at LSAT. This is the problem. And he's giving like all he's really doing here. It looks like to me is regurgitating Kaplan advice from 30 years ago. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, I, I I might even speculate that in some cases this is a little bit worse. I, I don't know. I haven't yeah. looked at Kaplan in a while, but yeah, I, I suspect it's just the challenge of taking on so much, right? Whoever was in charge of this just didn't know what they were talking about. Even if Khan himself has got a great mission and a great goal, I have to double check my own vocabulary here, but I believe that they might accuse him of dilettantism 
or being a dilettante, which is, um, as I understand it, it's basically like, it, it's kind of like jack of all trades, master mm. of none. Mm. Yeah. Just, you know, being a smart guy and thinking that you can figure anything out. Mm-hmm. And then he's here, he's, he's actually presenting damaging advice, and, you know, and to be fair, I used to give this same advice when I was a brand new rookie LSAT teacher with no training, I would have done something similar to this, but 15 years of LSAT teaching later, I've got a much better perspective on how to explain this stuff. And yeah. uh, this is just, I mean, uh, <laughs> if you just like look at this yeah. image, it's like designed <laughs> to confuse. I mean, it's like, there's such a simple I know, way that's what I was like, wait, what is the this? Same thing. What is happening yeah. here? But um, I, by the way, I'm stealing from Sam Harris here, but he's, and I've mentioned this before, but you just, you just hit something I think that is so true. He, he, yeah. uh, you said that um, he's giving damaging or con you know con's course whatever whoever wrote it is giving damaging advice here and sam's at the beginning of his book waking up i think he talks about how in the world you can have you know no knowledge of a subject you can have good knowledge like not very much but good knowledge of a subject you can be learning about something correctly and then you can be learning about something incorrectly and he's like yeah uh you're not, it's not just like you don't know anything and then you start learning good things and now you start progressing. You could actually be introduced bad information and that is going to push you further away from your goal. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. So this, this, they give you, um, they give us or whoever's looking at this lesson, several, uh, logic game rules from an ordering game that they've made up. And this one rule in particular, just like kind of made me shake my head. It says, if A presents on Thursday, then B presents earlier than F. Uh, It's a conditional statement. It's an if-then statement, but it is an ordering rule. It's saying, hey, look, if A ends up being on Thursday, then make sure that B comes before F. Um, And then what they wrote here is they literally wrote the word if. This is how they're (laughs) diagramming this rule. Yeah. and then they wrote A equals sign THU. So abbreviated Thursday, arrow, and then B before F. Um, I mean, there's so many problems with this. First of all, if I were to actually even write this rule, I would just put A into Thursday. I wouldn't write if A equals Thursday. And then I w- might have an arrow, and then I would have an arrow going to B before F. But that's that that's kind of old school. That was better, but old school. These days, we could totally just do worlds, right? You could say, okay, let's yeah. create a world where A is on Thursday, and let's create a world where A is not on Thursday, and then we don't have any yeah. if-then stuff, and we can just start you know writing what? this. Yeah. For people who are watching this on YouTube, um, do you mind, Ben, if I use my whiteboard? No, behind go right me? ahead. I'm yes, gonna write please. down. I'm gonna like write down what Khan wrote. Yes, and then I'm gonna write down what we today would write. We this yeah. is gonna be one difficulty here is that I'm gonna have to take off my earbuds in order to be able to reach my whiteboard. Sure, sure. Uh, because I'm not using AirPods like you are because you're fancy. Um, but let me let me just um, I'm gonna do this on the whiteboard and you can narrate as yeah, I do it. Sure. How's that sound? Sounds okay, good. Cool. Yeah. Nathan approaches the whiteboard. 
I was trying to be a, a poetic narrator, emphatic narrator. Anyways, okay, good. Nice work, Nathan. He's writing if, literally the word if, A equals Thursday, then arrow B before F. That is what Khan wrote. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. And then, oh yeah, Khan went on to write the contrapositive uh, in the same form, writing out the word literally if, I-F, if F is before B, then A cannot be on Thursday. That is the correct contrapositive. If A is on Thursday, then B has to be before F. So if F is before B, then, of course, A cannot be on Thursday. But it's just, um, what is it? It's like, um, it's, like a, it's like a diagram salad. It's a mix of just letters s- s- thrown together on the page. Okay, so now Nathan is drawing what we would draw today, which is 10 times simpler. He has two diagrams, one in which A is literally put on Thursday, and another in which A is not on Thursday. Cool. Welcome back, Nathan. Did I do anything, any any feedback on what I did? I mean, I used less whiteboard ink in my version. Even though I made two worlds, I still wrote down less than they did. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and, sorry. Let me, and yeah. <laughs> it's a start on making two worlds which we like to do anyway, because we know that worlds kill games. Yeah. So I don't have to ever think about this rule ever again. I have a world where A's Thursday, and in that world I wrote down B before F. Mm-hmm. Then I have another world where A's not Thursday, in which case the rule doesn't apply. I don't have to think about any contrapositive. I, like the problem with that top approach, which to be honest, I think you used to do that and mm-hmm. I used to do that mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yep. But there's just such a simpler, better, you know, I, I was susceptible to that LSAT dogma. Yeah. Because it's like I looked at a book or something, you know, I probably got it from the Power Score Bibles. Um, and I just kind of did. And I think they got it from Kaplan or Princeton or whatever. And like it's just like you go into LSAT teacher mode and you think you're supposed to be writing down conditionals. Like we used to have these whole long ass lessons about conditionals and contrapositives and everything. And these days I don't say the word contrapositive mm-hmm. hardly ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't use that conditional arrow. Yeah. And I just go to work on a solution using worlds instead of having that rule, which is messier than the original rule on the page. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I just wanted to clarify that in your two worlds, basically what you did instead of writing the if then statement, I was narrating this, but I kind of, I, I think I may have left this out. You just wrote the five days, the five dashes, one for each day, and then put A in on Thursday. And that's what we mean by putting it on Thursday. And then in your next world, you put five dashes, one for each day, Monday through Friday. And then you just put a cross below Thursday saying A can't go there. I'm just trying it's, to imagine it's just, what it's like to hear. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. To, to be clear, when you have a conditional rule, if you have an if-then rule, if the sufficient condition is true, if the if clause, if that is triggered, yep. if that's true, then you have to worry about the other thing, the then. 
Yep. If the if happens, then the then has to happen. Yeah. If the if doesn't happen, then I don't give a shit. Yeah. The rule doesn't doesn't apply anymore. It, you can forget about it. It's over. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like a better it's just it's just easier. It's simpler. Yeah. Yep. And I just can't imagine doing it any other way these days. No, I agree. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually uh, pretty consistent with a lot of scientific discoveries, right? Like a lot of times um, scientists will come up with theories and they'll say, okay, well, if this happens and this is the rule, and if this happens and this is the rule, and then, oh, by the way, if this other thing happens and this is the rule, and then somebody comes along and it's like, wait a sec, there's an underlying, like, rule here that would actually explain all of these scenarios and they lay it out and you're like oh that's it that's all (laughs) that's the rule it was just that our other rules were incomplete and not so they only worked in a small set of scenarios it's like here yes it's true the contrapositive is true it's something that must be true if the original one is true but it's just not like in it has the think. opposite teaching it this way, Ben. Yeah, has the opposite of the intended effect. Since I stopped writing out conditionals and writing out contrapositives, yeah, I've noticed far fewer people confusing sufficient for necessary in my in the logic games in my classes. Mm-hmm. Look at Khan's idea. Khan makes it look like it's two separate rules, mm-hmm. right? Khan's like, well. If, if, if a is Thursday, then this happens. But if, if F's before B, then this happens, Yep. which is like, Whoa, what? There was only one rule. Now there's two rules. Yeah. And, and in my, in my version, there's no rules. Yeah. Really? I mean, there's two worlds. There's a world where A is Thursday and then there you get B before F. Then there's a world where A is just not Thursday and that's it. There's no yep. other rule and you're done and you don't, you don't have the opportunity to confuse sufficient for necessary. Right. Yeah. Like con even, you know, the, if you, if you take that approach on the top, people are going to be like, well, but okay. I, I mean, I understand, which always means they don't understand. I understand, <laughs> but, um, yeah. what about, what about when F is before B and it's like, well, then you're not in that world. Yeah. You, that's the B before F world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the other world, yeah, F can be before B. Sure. There's no rules down there yeah. other than A can't go Thursday. Yep. So if if you find out or decide that F has to come before B, you have to go into that world and you're fine now. It's even better. It's even better, Ben, than this makes it look because this almost guaranteed would connect to other rules. It would trigger other yep, rules. For sure. And so you'd be able to make more steps either on the top or the bottom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or both. Yep. And so you're, you're like, not only does it eliminate a nasty rule, which this is an admittedly nasty rule for sure. Mm-hmm. It's got a conditional and a sequencing thing in it together. It's tough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, so the world's approach, not only does, does that get rid of that rule, but it also gives you a head start on worlds, which is a thing that you want to do on like three quarters of all logic games anyway. Totally. Yeah. And, and also just the added confusion. I mean, look at this. They give us this rule. They draw it out. Then they give us the deduction or the contrapositive or whatever you want to call it. So now you have two rules that you've written down, which like you said, is more than what you've written down. 
And they've got four bullets here. They got four bullets. That's what I'm saying. If you're a student, you're like, oh shit, I got to remember all this. And you do because if you don't, if you make a lot, there's so many opportunities for mistakes here, which we've seen thousands of times. So, for example, the first one says, it's important to remember that conditional rules also have logically equivalent rules built into them. This is the contrapositive. If B doesn't present earlier than F, then A doesn't (laughs) present on Thursday. Okay, people are going to make mistakes there. Um, when they make well, it's logically correct, but it's hard for people to understand. What that approach does is it takes one conditional and it turns it into two conditionals. Yep. I my approach is let's take one conditional and, and turn, turn it, it into, into zero. zero conditionals. Yeah, let's get rid of conditionals, <laughs> yeah. which are just like it, right. which just like processing time, right? Every time you encounter a question, you've got to now process that if then statement. You're like, okay, well, does the condition apply? Okay, if it does, then what's the then clause? What's happening? Anyways, um, I feel you, LSAT teachers of the world. If 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 you ever run across this segment of the podcast. I feel you, but you got to let go of this idea that you need to write out the rule and then write out the contrapositive of the rule because all you're doing, I know you understand it. I, I understand it too. So does Ben. So does Sal Khan. And we all understand it, but your student doesn't. And so when you write the rule and then you write the contrapositive, you can see the people in the room getting like, oh, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. When you do this, you go, hey. When A is Thursday, B has to be before F. When A is not Thursday, the rule, poof, disappears. Isn't that nice? And they go, oh, yeah, okay. Because it's actually not that bad. We make it look bad by our overly heavy-handed LSAT teacher mode. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go through the rest of these bullets? Yeah, really quick, just to show the errors that people can run into when they're trying to do all this. So the next bullet point they're telling you to remember, since there can't be two presenters on the same day... Saying that B doesn't present earlier than F is exactly the same as saying that F presents earlier than B. <laughs> yeah, true. that's true. But people people mess this up too. They get they like they're like starting to do it, and then they do the they well, cross it out, and then you're like, oh shoot, and I don't know. It's just bad. you don't have to think about that. That's the pro- I used to do exactly all this, but it's just worthless because what you're doing is you're like. Look how long it takes to explain this approach. Yep. Whereas this approach, the what the world's just you don't have to go into. The, I got no bullet points. Yep. No bullet points. Instead of four bullet points. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Okay. The third bullet point says it's crucial to be aware that we can't deduce anything if A doesn't present on Thursday. That's true, and that is something that people need to understand, even when they create their worlds. But it's pretty easy to understand. I don't know. Well, uh, once people get the world's thing down, you know, it's yeah. like I'm in this world or I'm in this world, which, by the way, what are worlds? Worlds are just possible solutions, f- like all of the possible solutions for the game, right? Not not that you have to detail out every one of them. It's more like a fork in the road, right? Yep. 100%. The dividing line here is like, well, there's the set of solutions where A is Thursday, and then there's the set of solutions where A is not Thursday. Yep. We can all agree that A is either Thursday or not Thursday. Okay, yep. so when A is Thursday, B before F. What happens? When A is not Thursday, mm-hmm. don't care about B and F. Yep. Okay. That's the end of the explanation. I That's mean, it's it. simple. You yeah. just go down that fork or you go down that fork. Yeah. And, and it solves all these problems. Solves all these problems. And it's visual, right? People, you, know, you got people out there who say they're not visual learners, but the vast, vast majority of people are visual learners. And when you see this, you're like, look, 
here's this situation and here's this situation as opposed to this yeah. this logically <laughs> con- concocted like basically math right it looks like it's basically like math so you either want to write math formulas on your paper or do you want to actually write down what's going to happen um, yeah because the fourth bullet point go ahead here yeah so drum roll it says so conclusion coming underneath the original rule you should note the equivalent rule no you should not so this is not <laughs> only not a pearl it's a turd you know what maybe that's why we have those ties because in the world you have information that helps you you have no information or neutral information and then you have information that hurts you and this is information that hurts you it's going to push you in the wrong direction I'm going to update the scoreboard. We are now at uh, 13 pearls, 45 turds, and 22 ties. This is not a tie. This is actually a turd. And, I'm, you know, again, it's something that I used to do. It's something that Ben used to do. If you see videos of me from 10 years ago, I'll be doing similar stuff. But um, experience helps. Like, I, learn, I still learn stuff about how to teach the LSAT, and that's not the way to do it. Yeah, that you're that actually hurts, you know, it, and it, the, the irony is your top students understand it. No problem. But they also understood intuitively how conditionals work without your dumb explanation and the medium and especially the lower portion of the class, the people who are struggling in the one thirties and one forties, all this is going to do is make it even worse for them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so uh, there's a couple more takeaways here. I want to read one of them at least. I don't know if there are any here that you want to talk about, but um, I thought this was a turd. And so it's, again, another piece of advice that a lot Double of people, turd. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. are getting because they're taking the con class. It's free. And this is one of the first lessons. This is, if not the first lesson. So it says, don't skimp on deductions, exclamation point. Every time you have an A before B rule, in other words, if it says A comes before B, you can make quick deductions as to where A and B can't go. Oh, the old not rules thing. Yes. Yeah. Take the time to do so because points come from deductions, exclamation point. Not really. So this is something that's, again, I think kind of LSAT dogma. If, If you know that A comes before B, then you know A can't be last, right? Because obviously it comes before B. So then like Power Score and these other books say, go ahead and write not A under the last slot. But for me, like adding too much information that's not moving the ball forward. Like if I just note that A comes before B below my diagram or I create worlds, then I can I can just see that. I, I'm never going to put A last because right below my diagram, I have this little drawing that shows A coming before B. And although adding that not A to the very end is true, to me, if you when I see tons of not rules, all of a sudden it's like the important information is being you know, driven out because there's so much information written on the board. I'd much rather know yeah, where I, A has to go as opposed to where it can't go. I didn't bother in my worlds. I could have written in the world where A is Thursday and yeah. B has to be before F. Yep. I could have written F can't go on Monday and B can't go on Friday. Yeah. But those are kind of visually obvious they're obvious and you're actually hiding that by adding that information now you have to like oh right 
Because yeah. you're just, yeah, you're just muddying it up with a whole bunch of extra shit. And unless this is an exceptionally easy game, yep. they're never going to ask you which one of the following can't go on Friday. And the answer is F can't go for, you know, or. or and, you, and you would see that right away anyways, right? You'd see, you're like, well, look, there's yeah. that rule. Like, I can't put yeah. F first. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, F, F can't go Monday. Yeah. Okay. Well, what other dumb tips are here? Uh, let's see here. Um. I, I, how about this one? Okay. Practice hard. Since you will see an ordering set up on test day, mm, odds are good. Yeah, odds are good. But I've, I think, even think, uh, I was just looking at a test from the 70s the other day, and it didn't have any ordering games. Oh, no. I've seen recent... Yeah, there's recent tests yeah. that don't have any ordering. So this is... By the way, we should say that this is not just Khan. And, and I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not attacking Khan Academy generally. I just don't think they're doing a very good job of helping people on the LSAT. Yep. And it's not just Khan because it's actually the law school admission council partnering with Khan to put yeah. out bad advice. In fact, that's just literally false. You will see an ordering set up on test day. No, you, you won't not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, I will grant so, them that it's a very high probability, right? I, I, I but put not a hundred percent, but it's not a hundred percent. Their test, their own fucking test is so literal. Yeah. Like that would be yeah. a flaw. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, most tests include an ordering game. Yeah. Therefore your test, you will see an ordering <laughs> set up on test day. That's yeah. logical. That is logically invalid. And it's a test of logic. So, okay, so there, there's another thing that they need to clean up. But then I wanted to also shit on this point. Since you will see an ordering set up on test day, you can practice what you've learned in this article until it becomes second nature. But most ordering games don't have conditional rules in them. <laughs> yeah. So even if you were at a very basic level and you're trying to get good at ordering games, you don't want to be practicing this lesson until no. it becomes second yeah, nature. Yeah, the combination of a conditional statement and an ordering rule is very rare. Those are the harder ordering games, and they're not very common. This is bizarre. I also just, now that we're like shitting all over this, I can't, <sighs> I can't, the, the, the formatting and the, <laughs> the, the capitalization... And I don't know. A lot of italics, a lot of bold. bold you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's annoying. I'm trying to ignore it. It's, it's not how I write. It's how I write before you edit my shit. <laughs> like, you know, like, calm, and calm I've down. like now trained myself not to do it. I, yeah. Every time I go for the control I, I'm like, nope, Ben's going to not let me do this. And thankfully I've got Abigail also helping me out now on my newsletters and stuff. I just don't even do it anymore. Cause it's like, nah, we don't, yeah. don't, need, don't need that. All right. I mean, they, you know, Hey, they have the best of intentions. I'm sure making, LSAT prep available to people who can't afford fancy LSAT prep. I mean, it's actually a core mission of what we do at LSAT Demon. Um, I just think the Demon Free is way, way better than anything that Khan has given out. The, like, we're at least not dispensing 50% bad advice along with our good advice. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> here, take a look at this last one. It, it starts out good. I was like, oh, well, maybe we could give this one a pearl. It says trial and error sketching, where you're basically testing each answer choice, is not time efficient. Um, I totally agree with that. But then it, tend to agree, yeah. And then it says make sure to draw a new diagram for each new question. Okay, <laughs> that's 
again, it's like you, yeah. you started to go good, and then you're like, wait, you don't know anything about worlds, so oops. Because if you do right. worlds, you don't need to do this. Exactly. Yeah. I, worlds just totally obviates the new diagrams. Um, I would say on like 50% of all logic games, once I'm done with my setup, I, I make a big show out of it in class because I'm a smart ass, you know, like put the cap back on the pin. Like, oh, like, yeah, I don't need to do any I'm more done. drawing. I, yeah. I'm, not dra- I'm not drawing shit. I'm going to answer all these questions in about 45 seconds because yeah. my worlds have completely destroyed this game. I guarantee that if you wrote the rule and the contrapositive and then started going into the questions, you're going to be doing a hell of a lot more work. <laughs> this approach up here leads to more work, not less the world's approach on the bottom, it, it would get the ball rolling to where you're just going to basically solve the game. And then, um, but, yeah, but Nathan, you took six it. minutes to set up those worlds. <laughs> right. Yes. And then my total elapsed time on the game was six minutes and 45 seconds because I just breezed through the, all the questions were obvious by the time I was done with my worlds. Yeah. I mean, and everyone uh, else took 14 minutes on that game and didn't finish right. the last game. So <laughs> right. also, I wouldn't have known that it took me six minutes to make the worlds because I'm just not managing the time. Yeah. Um. Hey. Can I hijack the agenda for just a second, Ben? Did you hear, I I was listening to a podcast. I don't pay attention to this type of shit, but you know, there's new us news and world report rankings. Uh, no, I didn't know that actually. Okay. Well, I'm breaking news to you, Ben, (laughs) your hometown best law school now sucks. Stanford or George. No, no, no. You're where you (laughs) live now. Local best law school is no longer a good law school. Georgetown is no longer a member of the top 14. Oh, Georgetown out UCLA in. Wow. And I think we should spend about 30 seconds on this item because it doesn't fucking matter at all. It's so stupid. I knew Georgetown (laughs) was out. I knew it. I knew they weren't as good as they said they were. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Whatever, dude. U.S. News and World. I, listen, we need to have a new policy on the show, yeah. which is single digit changes in the rankings or single digit differences between schools mm-hmm. matter not. Zero. Zero percent. It matters zero percent. The fact that Georgetown is now out of the top 14 and UCLA is now in at the top in the top 14. There's not one fucking job in the world. That that affects. Nope. Although, wait, wait. There is one job. George, <laughs> yes, Georgetown's dean. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We got a dean at Georgetown who's fired, and we got a dean at UCLA who's getting a raise, and that's the only jobs in the world that it ma- that it affects. Yeah. No, that's to, it. To be clear, he, he he may not he get fired, but the fact is he's waking up and he's thinking twice about what he needs to do to convince all his people. That he's okay. That he's been doing a good job. Well, we're on his side. Yeah. I, I, I'm, we need to have a policy. Anytime it comes up where people make comparisons between schools, and, and maybe we can actually develop this over time because single, di- single digit rankings, single digit differences, make it's that makes no difference. No difference. Uh, so 11 to 19, yep. I don't give a fuck. Not a, that's not a difference. Yeah. When we get even deeper into the rank, and it might be a percentage thing, because when we get deeper into the rankings, not only do single digit differences not matter, but like the difference between 40 and 70 does not matter. Yep. It it does not matter. So I think maybe it's like unless there's a 50% or 100% 
difference. difference. Sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then at some point, it, well, I guess maybe that formula it's gotta be a would curve, take that, doesn't it? Yeah, it would take that into account maybe. But at some point, there's n- no change is going to matter. Um, for, right. From right. 80 but to see, 180, for example. I, do you listen to the Above the Law podcast by chance? No. Um, thinking like a lawyer? Mm-mm. Joe Patrice and uh, Catherine Rubino now. It used to be um, Ellie Mistal. Anyway, it's it's a good show that like keeps you up on you know legal news and law school stuff. And they both went to law schools and you know they they argue. One of them went to Columbia and one of them went to NYU. And they like you know chirp at each other about the differences in the rankings between sure. those two schools. But they they themselves acknowledge that it doesn't make any practical difference that Georgetown is now 15 and UCLA is now 14 and who cares. But then in the very next breath, they go, well, you know, it, it probably really doesn't matter until you get to like in, in the top 25. Wait, what? <laughs> well, right. And so all they're doing, and I, it's like human nature, I suppose, but all they're doing is arbitrarily setting a different barrier. Hmm. Like they're shitting on the idea that the top 14 matters. But then they're like going to propose that the top 25 matters instead, which the difference between 25 and 26 is even less of a difference than the difference between 14 and 15, which was already zero to begin with. So who gives a shit? Maybe they, it's, maybe, it's hard. Yeah. Do they mean, though, that like, oh, if you are in the top 25? Well, yeah, I mean, I see the difference between 25 and 26. Oh, they were literally saying like, you know, that there's not that much that there they were they were like trying to say that there's not really a difference, you know, between the top 14 and the rest of the top 25. But then there are implying that there's a big difference between the top 25 and, you know, 26 through yeah, yeah. 34 or whatever, 35. And it's like, no, there's it's a curve. There's there there are differences if you know we're talking about the difference between the third school and the 30th school mm-hmm. then yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if there's an order of magnitude of difference between the two then there's a difference between the two in those rankings it actually yeah. means something at that point i like your but it, your, it's just oh god no yes yeah. i like your 100 percent formula that seems about right to me if your ranking changes by 100 percent, something's Probably so there's a difference between 25 and 50. Yes, exactly. And there's a difference there's between a difference 30 between and 20 60. and 40, mm-hmm. 30 and 60. I'm actually not sure that it breaks down at some point because the difference between 60 and 120 is it's local. It's just I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a real big difference. Well, if that happened, though, imagine for a second you're ranked 60 and then you went to 120. Now oh, you've passed our hundred yeah. percent, right? And it's like, okay, maybe something I'm, happened. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about comparing because it's more practical. Like students don't give a shit. Yeah. Students are comparing two schools between each other, right? Applicants care. They're scar- They're comparing two schools between each other. And yeah, I suppose that a school ranked 60th and a school ranked 120th, there might be actual differences there that you should consider. Yeah, but you also shouldn't pay for either of those schools. So you know, go to the best school that you can get a full ride at. Just don't pay for law school and you're fine. Yeah. It's just that at a hundred percent, maybe the ranking would come into consideration before that. No consideration. Maybe that's so one. 60 and 90, 60 and 90, no consideration. Don't care. Yep. Don't, 90 and 120. Don't care. You know, 40 and 60. Don't care. Mm-hmm. 
hundred percent. It's the hundred percent rule. Yep. On on rankings, there's only a diff. We're only going to even consider a difference unless if there's a hundred percent difference in the U.S. news rankings, and and then we might also say there's not really a difference. So like um you know the difference between three and six. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we should also throw in I mean, also single digit not differences bad, don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we might have a supplementary rule that single digit never matters. Well, but. I just want to know where that where that um, you know Pareto's principle comes into play, and maybe being in the top. Yeah. And, and so 100 percent is not bad. I mean, I, I might What's consider. What's the third it? law school in the country? Stanford. Yeah, Stanford. Harvard? Harvard. Stanford. Yeah, they go back and forth. Okay, so you know, yeah, is there a is there actually a difference? Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so and if Berkeley is sixth somehow, they're probably not. But if they were, mm-hmm. then certainly, yeah, the difference between Stanford and Berkeley, yeah, there's going to be some doors probably that Stanford will open that Berkeley won't. And all we're saying with the hundred percent rule is that now you might take it into consideration. I think it's right. it's not like oh, I hit hundred percent now that means everything. No, this is just when you have the permission to think about yes. it. Before that, you right. can't so think rule, about it. To reformulate it yeah. as a conditional, if there's not a one hundred percent difference, it doesn't fucking matter. Yep, that's the rule. Yep. But if there is a hundred percent difference, then we don't know if it matters. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it might. That's right. It. Yep. In the world where there's not a hundred percent difference, it doesn't fucking matter. In the world where there is a hundred percent difference, there's no rule. Yeah. Okay. Good. All yeah. right. We've, we're getting somewhere. Okay. <laughs> nice. Um. Hey, uh, we should make this announcement. Uh, Thinking LSAT needs a podcast editor. If you're a super fan of Thinking LSAT podcast, you should send me an email, Nathan at LSATdemon.com. If you have experience or interest in audio editing, that helps a lot. Uh, it's, we need, it's a freelance contract position. We normally record on Thursdays and publish on Mondays. We think that once you get the swing of it, it'll take three or four hours a week. Please email me again, Nathan at LSATdemon.com with relevant experience, uh, an idea, what kind of an hourly rate you're looking for. And if you've got it, an official or most recent practice LSAT score uh, will help us. So um, again, we need an editor, a few weeks, a few hours a week, freelance, email Nathan at LSATdemon.com. Anything else you want to say about that? Nope. Perfect. And we can help train you. So you don't have to like be an experienced podcast editor. It's relatively straightforward. You take Ben's audio and my audio and you mix them and you make edits. If you know, one of us is coughing or sneezing or if we fuck up somehow, then you, you cut it down. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excuse of the week. Hmm. Okay. So this is where we take some excuse we've heard from somebody, uh, and tell them to stop relying on this excuse to stop studying. <laughs> the number of excuses we hear in our classes is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, like people have excuses for everything, all of their, the reasons why they're struggling. And there's really only one that I ever want to hear, which is, I don't understand this question. Mm-hmm. If, if you, if you can actually be, op- you know, if you can be honest enough to say, Hey, this one, I, I just, I'm really struggling here. I seems like B should be the answer, but the answer key says D and I just, D, that doesn't make any sense to me. And B seems like it does make sense. What's up. 
that's a great question to ask, but, or comment to, you know, <laughs> to, to like throw yourself on, on the mercy of logic and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. Can you help me understand it? Yeah. That's great. Almost everything else is just an excuse. Like it's a rationalization for why you're struggling. But anyway, this is a, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So this is, um, from demon teacher, Katie, Apparently a student wrote, I missed that question, but I'm not worried about it because the demon shows it as a level five difficulty. <laughs> so that means a lot of other people missed it too. You know what, what's interesting about this excuse? I actually like the first part of it, but I don't like the r- last part, the reason. <laughs> I don't like that it's it's okay to not worry about it because other people missed it too. I would say the reason to not worry about it if you missed a level five question is that you're not there yet. Like if you're scoring in the 150s and you missed a level five, maybe that's not a question for you to worry about at this point because that's not where you're at. Like sometimes people get obsessed about these harder questions, right? And it's like, no, you need to be learning questions one, two, three, those difficulty levels. And and so there could be some value in letting this stuff go. But I don't like the fact that it's like, yeah. oh, well, it's okay because other people got it wrong too. No, it's like, where are you at? If you're scoring in the 160s, 170s, you should be worrying about this regardless of what other people do. I'm, I'm assuming that we're calling roughly one-fifth of the questions level five difficulty questions. Uh, it's actually a little bit fewer. There, there seems to be like a tapering off. So it's probably like one-sixth. Okay, and then that can um, be divvied up. I mean, not, <laughs> not, if no, you're curious, well, they, which, they, they can be divvied up into very hard questions and then kind of medium questions. But we've grouped them all together as uh, level now, five. I've started teaching this new class on Sundays, uh, double black diamond LSAT. It's an expert level class where in all of our classes throughout the week. By the way, Demon Live has multiple live classes on Zoom seven days a week. Um, if you're a fan of the show, please study with us at lsatdemon.com. It's by far, I think, the best way to prepare for the LSAT. Yeah. We we do um we do the double black diamond, which accumulates all of the nastiest questions that we run across in any of our classes throughout the week. It's not a class for everybody. It's an expert level class where we're really gonna only tackle the very hardest questions. And yeah, if you're scoring 140. That's probably not the right class for you. You're welcome to come. Yeah. But it's going to be like really nasty shit. That's probably like three levels above your actual level. Using the skiing metaphor of double black diamond, if you're a novice skier, <laughs> double black diamond has the big signs, expert only. Don't fuck with this. Yeah. And so, um, you can't break your neck on the LSAT. So yeah, you're welcome as a novice to come to double black diamond. But the idea is, Hey, this is going to be super expert stuff. And I do run, I mean, I would say two thirds of the questions that end up on the agenda. I end up being like, well, I, I don't, I, we got this one. Right. And pretty much everybody in the room's like, yeah, okay. I, I, we've figured it out. Makes sense. But on, a third or maybe a quarter of those questions, they really are the super, super nastiest questions in the entire history of the LSAT. And I find myself every once in a while being like, you know, unless you're a 178 trying to get to 179, you probably don't need to mess with this one. 
Yeah. And, but that's not, I don't like the, if it's level five, I don't care about it. That's you're giving yourself an, like an too easy of an out on too many questions. Mm -hmm. We'll let you know. I'm sure you do that from time to time too, Ben. We'll let you know when we run across one where it's like, boy, I've been doing LSAT for 15 years and I've taught this question 15 times Yeah, and I'm still struggling to explain it. Mm -hmm. Probably this is one we can just let it go. Yeah. It doesn't have like some... value with other questions, right? It's this, this real esoteric. It's a one-off yeah. question that you're not going to learn anything here of future value really. And so for efficiency's sake, yeah, you can probably let it go. But, but those are rare. I agree. Very rare. Yeah. In most I, cases, I can't imagine there's an, a logical explanation and it will trickle down to other questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you have an excuse of the week, you can email help at thinkinglsat.com or hit us up on social at thinkinglsat. Same goes, by the way, for uh, any pearls versus turds out there in the wild. Um, if your pre-law advisor is giving you some terrible advice you think about the LSAT, or if you think it's good advice about the LSAT, uh, help at thinkinglsat.com or at thinkinglsat on social and uh, get it on the agenda for a future show. Cool. Cool. Hey. By the time you hear this, there will be open registration for my June LSAT Flex study group. Uh, this is available to anyone. All you got to do is get a free LSAT Demon account um, uh, for, to register. But it's Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Register at LSATdemon.com. It's a recurring meeting that goes all the way up through the June LSAT Flex and uh, so it'll sort of like evolve over time. You know, the, the first meetings will be like, hey, how do we, you know, where are we now? And how, how do we think about preparing over the next couple months? Yeah. As it gets closer to the actual day, like today, I'm actually teaching the, f the final version of the um, April LSAT Flex study group. Yeah. And that's going to be like, hey, what do I do if I'm taking the test um, this Sunday or yeah. whatever? Yeah. Cool. That's awesome, dude. That's exciting. Yeah, it's great. And I love to, I mean, Hey, I, again, I'm a first generation college student. I had absolutely no, even lawyer adjacent people like my family. There's no lawyers. Nobody ever even considered going to law school. We don't even, my family doesn't even have friends that are lawyers. And so it's important to me that we try to expand access to important help <laughs> about the LSAT and law school admissions. Dude, I mean the, yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good point. I mean, actually this is a little bit of a tangent here, but one thing, yeah. you know, I'm constantly reading audiobooks. I'm just like addicted to them. And that's because for some books, right, they may not even be that great, but I might get one or two pieces of advice out of there that is a game changer for me. Like it just changes yep. the way I do everything in that regard from that point forward. And I, I don't remember anything else about those books. I just remember like, wow, that piece of information was just an idea that I had never been exposed to through my family, my friends, my network, or my own right. experience. And I got exposed to it. And boy, life would be so much different without that information. I'm just thinking about this right now. If, if, you're listening to this show, you're getting a lot of our ideas and hopefully those are changing the way you think about how you study and whether you go to law school and all that stuff. But 
if you are available at this time, this is a free class, right? That's what you're saying. Yes. You just have to have demon free and you can join this study group. I can't, I can't imagine someone not (laughs) joining and not getting immense right. valuable value out of just being able to sit and listen to other people ask you questions, let alone themselves ask you questions, and get stop wasting. I can't believe. I mean, there are things even just in the last year where I've changed about how I work out, for example, that makes so much of a difference. And it's like I haven't done this for two decades, and I learned this, and I'm like, oh wow, this is so much better. It's like, why didn't I get access to that information before? I don't know. I wasn't searching for it enough. I guess. But um, sorry, it's my like my own personal little rant there. But information is just king. Yeah, the one bit of information that I that you know blows people's minds that we well we repeat it every show is don't pay for law school. Yeah, and you know I I I know that that like opens people's eyes. Like what? Law school is really expensive. I've been gearing up to pay for law school. And I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ, whether you ever pay us a dime, I really want to help you not pay for law school. Yeah. There is no, there, there is no reason you do not have to pay. Um, you know, notwithstanding people like, uh, Carl and Katie and Sarah, who are going to our, our teachers who are going to pay for Yale and, Yale and Harvard yeah. respectively. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a different issue. You know, I was talking to somebody just the other day who was about to take the April LSAT and apply immediately to go to McGeorge, which is in Sacramento. Starting in August? Almost, starting in yeah August or September and almost certainly pay full price. Wow. And I was like, I was like begging her. I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't. you seem like a good person. You seem really smart. You're going to be wasting so much money, like just prep better and differently for the LSAT apply at the beginning of the next cycle. And I'm like guaranteeing her basically. I'm like, listen, you're going to get a full ride to McGeorge. If you do it the way you're going to do it, you're going to pay $50,000 a year for McGeorge. If you do it the way I want you to do it, you're going to pay zero for McGeorge. Yeah. And I'm going to save you $150,000 worth of tuition, maybe a quarter of a million dollars by the time we add up the living expenses and interest and (laughs) everything else. Yeah. I don't care if she ever pays us anything because I just, I can't like, it it, like hurts me to see people go down that path. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not even necessarily that valuable. (laughs) That's the no. thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, like when you pay more for a product and it's actually worse, like you go to that fancy restaurant and it actually tastes worse than Chipotle. You're like, why? Why did this happen? This this food is actually <laughs> worse and I just paid more. There's always this assumption, right? The more you pay, the better it's going to be. And yeah, that's true in some cases, but law school is not one of them. Every law school charges Harvard, Stanford, Yale prices, or yeah. at least, I mean, at least like they charge 50% of those prices, which is just absurd. Yeah. I mean, really? You think McGeorge is worth it? I looked it up and it was literally $50,000 a year. Wow. That's have been, have you even ever heard of McGeorge? Never heard of it. I mean, yeah. To take this analogy, that's like 
You can go to a fancy restaurant and pay $50 a plate, or you can go to McDonald's and pay $50 a plate, but you're going to get this exact same food that you always get at McDonald's, and that's what she was about to do. Pricing is absurd. I mean, it's so it's so weird. I just heard the other day on a podcast they were talking about how if you take uh, if you take ten dollar wine and put it in a ninety dollar bottle, mm-hmm. people enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, you know, yeah, that's this what is these good. schools this are relying <laughs> on. Well, oh, it must be a fine institution because I'm paying fifty thousand dollars a year for it. No. You're paying Harvard prices for a fine. It's okay. Regional law school. I'm actually not shitting on McGeorge. It's been around for forever. It's in Sacramento. It's a, you know, it's a school that like, if you want to practice at the California, if you want to be, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of jobs around the California state legislature that you can get for with a McGeorge degree. If you want to be a local, um, PD or public or, or, uh, attorney general or, you know, like if it, if you want to work in normal, practical everyday law, yeah, you can do that there. Yeah. But you're also not going to be very happy about paying back a quarter of a million dollars of debt from a school like that. And they give absurd scholarships to people who play the game correctly. Yeah. Which that's the fucked up broken thing, right? Canada doesn't even have this system hmm. in Can- Canadian law schools don't give outrageous scholarships and they don't charge outrageous tuitions. Hmm. It's, it's far more just, it's obviously more just, you know, if the, if we could change one thing about law schools, it would be, you gotta have normal tuitions. And probably that means you got to stop giving so many people full rides. Yep. Yeah. We would, we would be done with our message, but right. Yeah. That would be great. I mean, I'd love to just, that'd be fine. I God, it, cause it, it really does pain me to see people just ruining their financial future in a well-meaning attempt to, you know, Better build themselves. something for themselves yeah. and their families. And instead they just impoverish themselves and it happens worse to poor people. It happens worse to black, brown and black people. Happens it's worse to people who are scoring lower. Like it just, yeah. just gets worse and worse. Jeez, uh, It's like gambling or the lottery. <sighs> it's a tax on poor people. The unaware. It's yeah. like a tax, you know, I mean, I don't want to call these people stupid, but yeah, it's like a tax on stupid people, which is just not what I want yeah. as a moral human. Like I don't want <laughs> to take advantage of people who are dumb enough to be taken advantage of. And that's really what this whole system is designed to do. Yep. Uh, Anyway, that was a long tangent. Yeah. Speaking of broken things, you ready to get into this LSAC snafu? Yeah. I like your title. LSAC doesn't know their own rules. Well, we don't know the LSAT's LSAC's rules apparently, and that's an that's an artifact of them not knowing their own rules. We actually don't know the truth of the shit we're going to talk about next. Okay, we haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet. You can help us by calling LSAC, emailing LSAC, and emailing the show help at thinkinglsat.com with your findings. But we're hearing uh, inconclusive things about when the academic cycle resets uh, and the the testing year cycle resets. Yeah. 
So let's give everyone a little bit of context. Most of you probably already know these rules very well, but from what we've understood for a long time, ever since these rules went into effect in September 2019, um, you can take the test three times in a given cycle, and a cycle has always been historically from June, the beginning of June to the end of May. So in that year-long period, you could take the test a maximum of three times. After that period, you still could take the test two more times for a total of five times within a five-year period. So practically speaking, most people could take the test five times before they applied to law school because they could take it three times in that year period, and then they would have two more chances either before or after that year period. But, okay, so people have planned their their lives around this schedule, right? They're like, okay, I've taken it um, three times this cycle, for example. I'm going to take it my third time on the April LSAT, which just happened. And now, and then once that's over, I'm going to take it two more times for my lifetime, or not my lifetime, but my five-year max of five attempts. Uh, But LSAC has posted on their website something that says, this is what it says. Um, Starting with the September 2019 test administration, test takers will be permitted to take the LSAT three times in a single testing year. And by the way, parentheses, and this is actually the most important part, the next testing cycle begins with the August 2021 test and goes through the June 2022 test. Wait, why why is the next cycle beginning in August and not in June? If it began in June, then people could continue taking their tests even if they've burned through their three because the cycle would have reset by June. But now they're saying it's not going to reset until well, August. It, it, it has always been, as far as anybody knows, it's always been May 31st. Yep. That's the problem is that all of a sudden this website, this this page said August 2021 instead of May, May 31st. Mm-hmm. So they seem to at least I'm not I, we could be wrong but they seem to have changed without fanfare changed the the cycle reset in the middle of a cycle in the middle of a cycle yep like if they had done this and, and in they the made future. it later <laughs> they yeah. made they made the reset later so that it used to be yeah if April 2021 was your third attempt then you can take June 2021 because that's a new cycle because it started and stopped on May 31st. And that's their fucking system. I, (laughs) I'd be fine if they used a calendar year. Yeah. I don't know why they've always (laughs) gone off this weird year system, but I'm sure they're trying to line it up with admissions or something, but it doesn't make sense. Regardless, it it is what it is. I don't care what it is. Yeah. It would be much simpler if it just was a calendar year thing. Yeah. But fine. If you want to make it May 31st, that's the reset date. Yep. Then that's fine too. But an arbitrary change with no announcements. Now there are people who have taken it their third time in April who aren't going to be able to take it in June. Because they got to wait until August. Brittany, who works for us here at LSAT Demon, called them twice. And what did they tell her? They tell her May 
31st, right? There was some confusion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she called them twice and they said on the phone both times, no, that page doesn't mean what it literally says. <laughs> Coming from the most literal test on the planet. Well, right. This is the second time in this episode where we've seen them not like, you know, following their own logical rules. Yeah. But the next test, they, they, they told Brittany twice on the phone. No, no, no. It resets on May 31st. Like it always has. Okay. Then we get an email from student Bella Mm -hmm. that says, naturally, I had to see if it was being discussed on Reddit. Some people said they heard differently than the information given to Brittany when they emailed LSAC. They were told the website is accurate. So they have now submitted an appeal to the exemption. Are we back to, to square one? And then later she emails again and says, this is almost as bad as the time they tried gaslighting me about my fee waiver. I submitted my documents the day it was requested and received a confirmation email. I called and the rep gave me verbal confirmation that he was literally looking at it on my file only to receive later a notice of application cancellation a few days later, followed by we have no idea what you're talking about. There is nothing on your file. Please send ASAP. <laughs> I thought I was hallucinating. It's like my life was this giant simulation run by LSAC. Upside down smiley face. Hmm. Uh, that's all from Bella. So we're now in the lurch. Um, the website says it, the testing cycle begins with the August 2021 test and goes through the June 2022 test. But it's always been May 31st, and people have been relying on May 31st. Yeah. And we have two calls that say May 31st, and then we have an email that says August, and we have another call that probably says August. So we're getting all, yeah, we just don't know what's going on. The answer is we don't know. Uh, If you used three attempts uh, before... You know, if if you've if you've used three attempts in the last cycle, which April 2021 is clearly part of that cycle, you might not be allowed to register for the June 2021 test, which is a bummer if that was your plan. And I guess you can appeal people and, and you should you should be if you've been relying on May 31st. And they made this change just kind of arbitrarily without thinking about it, which sure seems like that's what they did. Then, you know, I I guess you got to you got to stomp your feet and repeatedly complain until they they probably will. let. I would guess they'll just let you register for it (laughs) because you were relying on their own information. Yeah, exactly. So I guess what will happen here is someone would attempt to sign up for June and it wouldn't work. Because, I mean, obviously, if it works, then yeah. you just ignore it. It's, but Well, that's what's going to happen because you have to register online. Yep. So they're going to register online and the system's going to kick it out. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, I, I, the one thing we do know for sure is that we called them m- twice and were told, no, it resets on May 31st. Yep. So they've got conflicting information, like their telephone reps have the same information that we always had and somebody somewhere, I don't know how it happened, but they like just changed. (laughs) They just, I I think they probably didn't think it through. 
Yeah, or, or whoever is responsible for updating this page, because I think this page has been around since Sept- or before September 2019, and someone just came in here and they, like every test, right, or every cycle they have to update it, so it's just like current, and they change these dates. They normally just probably change the years listed here, but someone decided to actually put the LSAT dates. Well, Maybe they just messed up. There, there've been yeah, it, it could just be a mistake, but they, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a high stakes test, which they don't like. Sometimes they don't seem like they recognize how seriously people take it. Yeah, they don't realize <laughs> how many people are restructuring their life around the dates of these tests and how many times they can take them and all that stuff. It's the beginning of your legal career. Of course, you're going to take it seriously. It's, it's tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of tuition we're talking about. And you know, they, they just, (laughs) Oh, it's fine. Nathan, everyone can get student loans. I don't understand what the stress is about. Just do the best you can. Law school is open to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Just take it once. You know, you should, people don't really improve that much when they prep. So just take it once. And, um, you know, if you have to apply, if you have to get loans, it's a law school is a transformative experience. So, um, it's a transformative experience. <laughs> I'm never going to stop complaining about that. That's what Hastings told me way back in the day. <laughs> you know that story, yeah, right? Yeah, I do know that story. That's funny. God. It was, was transformative. Anyway. Downward. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, God. Hey, and I understand COVID was hard for everybody. Uh, they had to scramble to create the flex and, you know, the first few versions of the flex didn't count against these limits. And they now are offering the LSAT online for what, you know, seems like they're going to keep offering it online forever, which is great. I mean, awesome. That's like, congratulations. I'm really glad we finally, you know, made that change. That's positive change for sure. But that that doesn't give you license to just like make this kind of probably accidental change. (laughs) By moving that date back, they probably were like, oh, we're moving the date back. I mean, how could that possibly affect anybody? And then it's like, well, it certainly affects people who were counting on that reset so that they could take June and August so that they could apply early in this next cycle. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) It's not going to change anybody's total number of attempts, but it might it might push somebody to August and uh, push someone to August and October instead of June and August. Yeah. Which isn't ideal um, if you're trying to apply, you know, September for the following cycle, which everybody should be. Anyway, do you want to dive into the mailbag? Sure, let's do it. Awesome. Okay, so this first one is from Nick. So Nick, wait, we have his whole name. That's okay. Well, just, just, you guys just go, call him Nick. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wait, this hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, Nathan and Ben, I just want to re- I just wanted to reach out and say thank you for offering your services. Because of you two, I will be attending law school with a full scholarship and a stipend. Oh, dude, that's awesome. That's better than full. Um, I will come out of law school completely debt free, and you two have played an instrumental role in making that happen. Thank you, and please keep encouraging your listeners to not pay for law school. Yeah, we've already done that today, Nick, so thank you, though, for writing in and confirming that this is a reality. This can happen to you. That's excellent. That's the best news we ever get. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) This next email comes at us from Sarah. Uh, 
Sarah emailed the show and I responded and I said, uh, which I frequently do. So you might want to think about this before you email help at thinkinglset.com. Uh, I responded and I said, hey, make this about one third as long and I'll be happy to tackle it on the show. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh, she kindly did. Okay. She said, hi, Nathan. Thanks for the chance to rephrase. Smiley face. Questions. One, my desire to attend Harvard, although my undergrad is a 3.2 GPA. Well, sorry, my desire is to attend Harvard, although my undergrad is a 3.2 GPA. I would say right away, your odds are very slim of Harvard. But she, she continues and says, if I want to graduate penniless, must I consider T25 or beyond? Does a T25 even matter in the real world? And if so, to what extent? Okay, before we get into our question, can I just say that this... This idea, like, oh, I have a 3.2 and my desire is to attend Harvard. It sounds overly <laughs> narrow. I mean, ignore the 3.2, right? Yeah, like you said, she has a very little chance of doing this. But it's like, um, wait, what about Stanford? What about Yale? Are, are you are you a serious applicant? Or are you just one of those people who is like, oh, a law school sounds great. And if I go down this path, only the best yeah. is best for me, right? Only the best saw, is right for me. And so... Yeah, I watched Legally Blonde, and so I think Harvard is the best law school, you know. And right, why? Why? Maybe she's using Harvard as a, you know, fill in for what she really means, which is top, whatever. But if she means Harvard specifically, she says later that she is married with five kids and lives in Indianapolis. So you're going to uproot your whole family. Why Harvard? I mean, if you, if you got into Harvard, maybe that would be <laughs> a life changing event that would be worth pursuing, but it just strikes me. It's kind of like those people, you know, who come and they're like, Oh yeah. Hey, I've been thinking about taking the LSAT and, um, I'm, I'm shooting, I'm shooting for 180 or, or, or bust, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And it's like, yeah. have you thought about this at all? Are you like, what about a 175? That's not amazing enough for you? Do you even have any idea what you're getting into? Right. Like, it just doesn't seem right. like they're familiar with the field. And so my bigger concern is, why are you going to law school? What is what is this for? Is this are you, Do you even know what you're doing? Like, you just want to go yeah, to the best because school it's also impossible to answer this next... Well, I guess... Okay, so, I mean, our real I'm response, sorry actually... I'm jump all over you, Sarah, but I just... It strikes me as concerning, that's all. It doesn't seem like she's familiar with our scholarship estimator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to go to, Sarah, you need to go to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships with an S um, and put in your 3.2 GPA and then play around with various LSAT scores. You can also check and uncheck the box for uh, URM status. And that'll give you, you'll get some ideas about what types of schools you might be able to go to. Um, you know what? Maybe I'll just do that right now. Um, okay. LSATdemon.com slash scholarships. She mentions later that she's a first generation American speaking five languages. I, I'm not sure if that means she's a URM or not. 3.2 GPA. And let's say she achieves that 175 that Ben was just talking about. Um, I'm going to say yes to URM. Okay. Uh, 
top, top law schools are just need-based scholarships. I mean, they just don't give merit-based scholarships. So yeah, you're going to pay, you know, 60 or $70,000 a year to go to Yale, Stanford, Harvard, and Columbia. You're unlikely to get scholarships to Chicago, NYU, Penn, Virginia, but you start seeing some scholarships at the latter half of the T14. Yeah. Um, that's with a 175. There's a 100% difference in their rankings. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> that's a 175, keep in mind. Yeah, it's a 175, which, you know, that's a 99th percentile score. But we, hey, how many 99th, how many 175 scores do you personally know, Ben? Like, a hundred more. Yeah. I mean, like over no, the years, it's certainly, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I just, we don't know anything about Sarah yeah. and I'm, I'm concerned that she's new to this. And so I'm wondering if, if this, if these scores are anywhere even close to where she's at right now, I just, I don't know. I'm just yeah. don't want to give the wrong impression. Like if you get a 170, um, these are going to drop pretty fast. Right. So the first full ride. So you start seeing some scholarships at the latter part of the T 14, which is no longer the T 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, the first full tuition scholarship that I see is University of Florida, which apparently is ranked 24th, which who cares? Um, you know, there's no difference between that and whatever Boston University, which is ranked 20th. Yep. No practical, uni- no practical difference between those. Yep. Um, I'm seeing a full ride here for Iowa, full rides for BYU, Indiana University, Ohio State. Wisconsin, George Mason. Okay. So lots of, you know, there are scholarships out there. That's what Sarah should be looking at. I mean, if she actually does get into Harvard, Stanford, whatever, then we could talk about whether it's worth it for her. Carl and Katie and Sarah are very smart people that work for us or contract for us. And they've all decided that it's worth it for them to pay crazy tuitions to go to Harvard. Yeah. And Yale. But whether it's worth it for Sarah, you know, she goes on and says, I'm happily married with five children. We currently live in Indianapolis. <laughs> that would be a crazy move to go to Harvard. Um, she says, can I attend a great school for free while living remotely? Where would you encourage me to apply? <laughs> I think I want to double down on my go to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships figure out, get, give yourself a wide range of schools to apply to apply to 20 schools and then decide once the offers are in. Yep. I agree. She asks for advice on the handwritten portion. Okay. That kind of just confirms my suspicions that she's new to this process. There is no handwritten portion anymore. I'm assuming she's talking about the writing sample. Yeah. And there hasn't been a handwritten portion for at least a year. I mean, LSAT writing was digital before COVID. Yeah. So it, it is no longer handwritten. We have lots of videos about that. You watch a 15 minute video from Ben or a 15 minute video from me, and that's going to give you all the advice you need about the writing LSAT writing. Um, it's the last thing you should be thinking about. Don't, you don't need to worry about it until ac- after you have your, your LSAT done. Um, you do have to do it before you can get your score. You should take it seriously, but you don't need to prep for it. You need to watch one video and literally, would you say this, Ben? Watch the video and then immediately do the assignment? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, w- I would, yeah, do, I would do it that it's, way because it's, it's, it's on your mind. It's fresh in your head, like what you should do. And it's not, it's, it's so simple. I mean, it's just, uh, you just follow the directions essentially, but we'll show you how to follow the directions in those videos. Those are all available at uh, lsidemon.com. And then she's asking, <laughs> she's got a lot of questions for the personal statement. Quick facts. I'm 32 years old. I've lived in six countries and 25 plus cities. I have five children and undergrad in theology, and I'm two classes away from my master's of organizational leadership. I work for a compounding pharmacy as a marketer. What, if anything matters that I've mentioned, how would you package yourself Ugh. if you were me? It's too open-ended. I mean, you got to pick one story or two stories from one of these things, probably from your work. Um, I think you're... She goes on and says, this is in a follow-up. I'll read part of the PS here. Sure. I speak six plus languages with the children daily. We keep a handful of phrases that we've learned from various countries we've lived in and have added them into our daily conversations, like come here, hello, no, hurry up, sit down, please, thank you, et cetera. Again, do they care? Is this noteworthy? I think it's impressive that you speak six languages and you share them with your kids, but I I I don't know. I feel like you're just kind of like, <laughs> look at here's a here's a bunch of things about me. What do you think? What do you like me? Like I I I'm not seeing the serious law school applicant here. I, I'm sorry, no, Sarah. It, that last bit about, you know, the fact that you say you know sayonara once in a while i don't give a shit about that like that's not i mean that's just so do i yeah. i like i accidentally but i mean that's just i don't feel like that's you said serious and i yeah that's not i'm not saying you have to be dry in your personal statement i just don't see how that's like you're supposed to leave them with the impression that you're going to kick ass in law school and become an awesome attorney i right Sounds like you've had a lot of experiences, which is great. And you're, but why are you applying to law school? Do you know? Yeah. Is a job slash internship in a law firm recommended or advantageous in any way for law school applications or beyond? Sarah is very new to this. If you're asking any of the questions that Sarah is asking, you need to listen to like 50 more episodes of Thinking LSAT. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We've talked about every single one of these things a million times, but what do you say about should she get an internship? Uh, Short answer is I think maybe Sarah should because in a law firm, because she needs to know what she's getting into. And I don't think she realizes what she's getting into. And if she likes it, then decide to go to law school. Um, you're, You're doing things in the wrong order. You don't need... The counter argument to that is that it sounds like she already has a career. Yeah, she's a compounding pharmacy. What's a compounding pharmacy as a marketer? Hmm. I, I really. She's in I'm marketing confused. at some. Yeah. She, but it sounds like she has an actual career, which my response to that is almost always, why don't you just keep doing that and just say, fuck all this law school stuff? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you, if you really want to keep going after we're <laughs> questioning your, your reasons for going. Um, that might be a good litmus test for you, or even just the LSAT. See how well you can do on the LSAT. If you can't do that, then that's a good indicator to let this all go. I just hate for her to go to law school, move her family, and then decide, oops, I don't like law. She says, 
I'm a highly coachable, critical thinker. I hold all unfounded opinions loosely, and I'm hungry to do this as efficiently as possible. I'm not in a hurry, yet I have a sense of urgency. Any further advice or caution that you pick up from me, I'd be careful to consider and heed. <laughs> There's one major missing thing here, which is why are you doing any of this? Yeah. It's all about like, where should I go to law school? How do I go to law school? Should I get an internship because it'll look good on my application? And we have no clue why she thinks law school is a good idea for her. Yep. And there are several clues <laughs> that it might not be, right? She's got a job. She's got a family. She's about to yeah, get it. I was going to start with, you're happily married. Yeah. Don't go to law school. Yep. Okay. You have five children. Don't go to law school. You're about to get a master's of organizational leadership. What did you get that for? Use it. <laughs> yeah. What? You have a career. Don't go to law school. <laughs> The, the age is totally non-factor 32. I don't care about that. Yeah. That's not, not too old at all. Don't, I don't give a shit, but like she's get she's like going all the way into like, what should I write my personal statement about? And I'm like, I don't know because I have no clue why you might think law school is a good idea for you. What are you doing? What? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, I, I will for sure say, Sarah, if I could only give you one bit of advice, it's don't pay for law school. Yeah. Um, because it, this sounds like I would, I would give you 50, 50, that this is going to be a total fail. Like I just, it seems like, I mean, it's 50, 50 for almost everybody anyway. Right. Like about half the people who go to law school actually use their JD. Yep. That is true. So, you know, like you have to be better the, than those odds. You have to have a reason that you're going to rise above the norm. Our, yeah. Our background assumption here is that like half the people who go don't actually use it. That's why we keep yelling about don't pay, but also like think seriously about why you're actually doing this. Because if you're like, oh no, I want to go be a public defender, then you don't need to go to Harvard. And if your answer is, I want to work in big law, are you sure? <laughs> You're happily married with five kids. Are you sure you want to work in big law? It's a very different life. I don't know what your life is like right now, how many hours you put in per week as a marketer. But the difference between 40 hours a week and 70 hours a week is night and day. It's Big law is a seven-day-a-week job. Yeah. I mean... I was listening to, uh, again, that above the law podcast, which is really good. Um, they, they were talking about how many big law firms have started to, um, reduce their commercial real estate footprint. Hmm. Makes sense. Cause everybody's remote now. Yeah. But one of the points they made was, well, of course they're not going to get rid of them entirely because if you're working seven days a week, even in a new, you know, post COVID, um, online is mo much more acceptable now. Even in that world, if you're working seven days a week, you're probably going to end up committing to go to the office three days a week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what Sarah needs to think about. Like, do your five kids, your husband and five kids know that you're going to work seven days a week, 70 hours a week? That's like the lawyers that make money. Do you want that? 
Do you, I mean, it doesn't seem you're happily married. You, it seems like you like your situation, so um, you're not trying to get away from it. And if you do go away from it, it might whatever you've constructed might start to fall apart. Good luck, Sarah. <laughs> she's like, think about she's why like, you want to go to law school. I didn't want all that advice, but yeah, we gave it to you. That's the thing you else had. <laughs> no, she. <laughs> She says, if you have any further advice or caution, um, I'd be happy to to consider and heed. So hopefully she she will. I mean, one, don't pay for law school. Uh, No, no. One is don't go to law school. (laughs) Two is if you decide for some strange reason to go. And I'm I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to everyone listening. If for some strange reason you decide to go, then don't pay. And if you (laughs) decide to pay, it better be for a damn good reason. Uh, at a very good law school. Those are our three rules. Yeah, and, right? but I mean, I I think she also could probably get scholarships to regional schools. And and if you know, there's there's lots of other paths. Maybe she wants to do child advocacy. You can go to a regional school without uprooting your entire family. You can probably keep your job. You can probably go to night school. And you can get that JD and go help the people that, you know, the populations that you want to help. But like Harvard is, that's like way, way big leagues. Why are you talking to, why are you, I don't understand the big league aspiration here. Most lawyers don't work in the big leagues. Those that do tend to have a a lot higher undergraduate GPA than 3.2. I don't know. <laughs> this one made me nervous. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, you want to take this next email? Yeah. This is Ava. Hey guys, I decided to apply for the next admission cycle class of 2025. I'm graduating next May and made this decision fairly recently. Okay. I'm trying to figure out where to start in the application process. I signed up for the demon recently with the intent to take my first LSAT in August. Basically, I guess I'm asking, where should I start? Do you think I'm too late for the next admission cycle? Um, <laughs> that's yeah. I love that question, right? That's like, that's somebody who actually gets it. Like she's, she's taken on lesson one. Yeah. This sounds like somebody yeah. who doesn't want to pay. They want to go to the best school they can go to, you know, <laughs> and they're like, Hey, am I, am I actually too late to start law school in 2022? Yes. Do you think I she think is so. too late? Yeah, she she's well, okay. It depends on how her LSAT goes, but I feel like she's, um, I guess I'm okay with it if she does well in August. I think she should be shooting for June. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be shooting for June. Okay. Yeah, it's April. Right. So I'm just going to scan down. Uh, Yeah. So the June registration deadline is April 30th. So when Ava hears this, I mean, she's still got a couple weeks. She just recently signed up for the demon. June test is a couple months away. You've got a couple weeks, Ava, to decide whether you want to register for that June test. But if you want to, if you want to be in that class of 2025, starting in 2022, then we want you to apply in September of 2021, which means if the August LSAT is your first, 
that ain't great. I mean, it's totally, I guess, sorry, let me rephrase. If she does well in August, however she does that, then she's fine. Um, but I just, this plan to take it in August is what's concerning me. It's like she's taking it and then turning around and immediately applying. So she's got to rely on the fact that she's going to do the best she can possibly do in August. So I agree with you. She should take June. She should shoot for June at least. And if she doesn't get to a score where she wants to be at, then she can kick it back to August, but also be open to the idea of maybe applying the following cycle. Which it sounds like she is. I think she can shoot for the class of 2025. Yes. I think she also could be prepping as if she's going to take it in June. She doesn't have to sign up yet. She could wait till the deadline to sign up for June. But it would be great if you could, Ava, take it in June and August. Give yourself at least two bites at it before you apply early in the next cycle. And if either of those scores, you know, if you don't get your you're really your top, like your best score on one of those two tests, then I would always just wait. She said she's, she's just graduating um, this May or maybe it's next May. She says next May. She might mean she's graduating in May of 2022, which means whatever. I mean, do you really want to go straight from undergrad to law school? You don't have to taking a year is fine. Taking five years is fine. So, you know, there's no need to rush into this. Um, but if you really do think you want to get into that class, I would be, I'd be looking at that June test. I, people just kind of arbitrarily pick a first official LSAT. That's like way down the road, mm-hmm. which I don't get. Cause some people will be ready much quicker than that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and she already signed up for the demon, so she's that's on the right start. track. Yeah. Okay. Um, this just came in. Ellie said, email says it's just a quote contractual dispute issue and then she gives the face the skeptical face one of these with the with the <laughs> really and then she also says i'm sure nathan will love how wordy their email is this is from ellie um okay ben also gets pissed off at wordiness but <laughs> this is a little this is kind of sad this is an email from florida coastal school of law The subject is Florida Coastal Important Message. And what it should say is Florida Coastal is going underwater. Yeah. (laughs) They're they're early casualty of global warming. Uh, Florida Coastal is no longer going to be in business is what the actual story is. I'm I'm kind of uh, intrigued that they actually sent this out to their whole prospect list. Cause Ellie's not a student there. She's just like on their spam list of potential applicants. And she got this email. Wow. This is from a uh, Goppler rude. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, yeah, maybe they're, they're feeling like, you know, they just feel that much worse if they really like kept enticing people to come to a failing, a sinking ship. Somebody, uh, somebody recently <laughs> reminded me of uh Fagmanisms. Uh, which mm-hmm. a fagmanism, as I recall, is when you say something, when you spin facts in such a way that they like reach the exact opposite conclusion of what, yeah, yeah, like a negative logic fact would dictate. Actually sounds good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you wouldn't believe how how slowly we're dropping. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what he said. Yeah, we fell less than other people. That was the original <laughs> fagmanism. That's shout out David Fagman, uh, dean of UC Hastings, my uh, alma mater. 
Um, it's not a compliment, by the way. <laughs> it is in a way. It's like, I mean, because you, you kind of like admire the balls. It's like, wow, you yeah. used that fact to reach that conclusion? Damn, that's, a, that's impressive. With smiles all the way, right? Just like yeah. enthusiasm. Right. So yeah. I want to see if uh, Dean Goplerud who is no probably not going to be dean for for much longer since this law school is <laughs> not going to exist anymore but that's you want to uh you want to tackle this uh sure. long ass sure, email I'll read this yeah let's, okay okay anyways all comma we were informed okay passive. I love the, the, the already passive right like oh <laughs> we haven't done anything we're just we're just these passive observers who are we being had nothing to do with something. it we just got informed oh. that we're bankrupt and uh <laughs> Yeah. Like what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are we are informed on April second, twenty twenty one, that the U.S. Department of Education. <laughs> okay, now they're going to define for us. Prince, these scare quotes. Department heretofore uh, referred to as <laughs> department. <laughs> if you are confused at all by what we're referring to, um, the U.S. Department of Education terminated the title uh, nine. Wait, wait, no four. Yeah, which one is that? Four. Okay, Title Four terminated the Title Four student loan eligibility of our law school. Why did she capitalize okay. law school there? I don't know. I was going to ask the same thing. Also, we have like seven spaces after this next period. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's definitely more than two. That's a lot of spaces. Um, Okay. That right yeah. there, the email, that could be it. Like that's, that's it. That's, that's, that's the news here. Um, it yeah. is not, is this not what happened to Charlotte law school? We've talked about this on an episode. Oh, six months ago mm-hmm. where the, like how schools are actually policed for quality since the mm-hmm. ABA doesn't really take accreditation away from anybody. Yeah, what can happen, mm-hmm. and I believe it's what happened to Charlotte Law. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is the exact same thing where the Department of Education came in and said, "We're not going to guarantee those fucking loans." So that's yeah, what it's happened. Brilliant. It's brilliant, actually, because right, this is how these schools make money. People don't actually come to the table with two hundred thousand dollars in cash, so they're going to get a loan and they're going to get it through the federal government. Yeah, let's be clear. Saying, what has happened yeah. is the U.S. Department of Education has decided that Florida coastal law is a parasite on the student loan system. Yep. And they have decided to cut off the blood supply. <laughs> the, the tick is being removed from the skin here. They're just like, yeah. no. You so were that not- must mean that these students aren't graduating or they're graduating and not passing the bar or they're passing the bar and not getting jobs that pay enough for them to turn around and pay back their student loans. And the U.S. Department of yeah. Education sees that and says, wait a sec, as much as we like to, I don't know, prop up failing yeah. systems, we're not going to fit. We're not going to prop up this one. That why, must mean they are why pretty would a, bad. Why would a lender cut off a, a habitual borrower? Probably <laughs> because the borrower doesn't pay back the loans. Yep. So yeah, they're cutting off your students. They're cutting off... Essentially, they're cutting you off from sucking money out of the student loan system with your law school school. that doesn't equip people to pay back their loans. It's fairly simple. Yep. And then it gets into some weird, overly complicated. It's it's like this is where maybe the fagmanism comes in. Go go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. So long, long, many spaces. And then we have the next (laughs) sentence. 
for the first time in school history. Well, of course it's your first time because it's also going to be your last time that you exist as <laughs> a school. For the first and last time in school history. Uh, the department, um, for the first time that I died, uh, yeah. Anyways, for the first time in school history, the department requested our equity investor to sign the program participant agreement, PPA, between the department and Florida Coastal. Okay, so we had to sign some agreement, or the equity investor had to. Our equity investor provided information to the department showing that its fund contracts prohibit it from providing the signature requested. Can I, uh, can I explain what I think is going on here? Yeah, go for it. I think that the school is owned, you know, when they talk about equity investor, that sounds like a They're hedge owned fund. owned by somebody. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a hedge fund or it's a, and, and it actually says, our equity investor provided information to the department <laughs> okay, showing that its fund contracts prohibit it from providing the signature requested. In other words, they're not going to guarantee the loans either. I think that's pretty much yeah. what happened here, yeah. right? The hedge yeah. fund looked at it and went, fuck no, we're not going to, no. <laughs> the reason why we're invested in this school is because they are a profitable parasite on the student loan system. We're not going to yes. borrow, we're not going to loan the money. Hell no, we're not going to yeah. guarantee yeah. this. So that's yeah, so the department was losing, <laughs> the Department of Education was losing money on these students who were taking yes. out loans and turning around and giving that money to Florida Coastal. And the U.S. Department of Education said, hey, we'll continue doing this if you guarantee these loans. And they said, no. If the hedge fund or private equity firm or whatever corporation, I'm sure it's multiple levels of shell corporations, you know, to hide them, distance themselves from the actual scam, which is Florida Coastal School of Law. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, we're... And then, yeah, the Department of Education, that's badass, by the way. You know, that's like the fucking whole federal government comes in and goes... Uh, yeah, you need to sign this. Sorry, owners of the school. You guys are going to need to yep. guarantee these loans because we're not going to keep doing this. And they're like, no, <laughs> that's how we make money is we don't pay back. We don't take responsibility for the loans that these students are unable to pay back. Anyways, it continues. The department was provided the relevant information to explain the situation <laughs> and the legal limitations <laughs> in December and January. Uh, okay. Again, oddly in the passive voice. On January 15th... Go ahead. Yeah. On January 15th, 2021, we sent the last submission to the department. Okay, I don't give one fuck about the whole process. They didn't even get back to us. Yeah. They said you have to... They said your equity partner has to guarantee these loans. And, And we said, oh, but you see the fund contracts prohibit it from, from, from providing that signature. And then they just never got back to us after that. Well, yeah, that's because they said you have to sign this shit. And they said, no, and we said, fine. That's it. we're Simple. done. There's no negotiation. What do you that like want to have a long conversation about this? The fact <laughs> is the department of education is not going to continue to guarantee these loans. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, Man, this is funny. Uh, Without any further communication from the department. Oh, you didn't get any further communication. 
uh, on this topic. On March 26, 2021, the department responded that the equity investor must sign and gave the school three business days to obtain the necessary signature or face termination from the Title IV program. Um, yeah, they're like, we told you this already. You didn't, res- you didn't do it. And we're telling you again, either do it or we're done. No analysis or explanation of the contractual issue was provided to the law school, capitalized, for or the investor for the decision. It's not their we're done fucking, fucking around. It, yeah, and it's not their problem. It's not their yeah. contract. Like this contractual issue, presumably, is between investors in the fund and the fund. The U.S. Department of Education gives no fucks about that. No, that's your problem. Owners of what they have said is, hey, owners of the school. Sign this or we can't continue to guarantee these loans. I don't care about your internal problems. (laughs) No. And and so the the Fegmanism here, which is it's a quite, I think, sterling example of the Fegmanism (laughs) is that Dean Gupplerud here is just spinning like it's your problem. Your school is owned by whatever, whatever the equity investor is. I mean, it's, it's a hedge fund or a big corporation of some sort. And they have refused to sign and, you know, but they, she's spinning it as well. No, I mean, it's just a contractual issue. You know, I mean, there's nothing. Well, we shit, we, we told them and they we tried. Even, hey, they didn't even bi- get back to us. About tied. It. Yeah. Jeez, it's just, it's not our, but I mean, hey, it's not our fault that we, you know. I'm sorry to inform sign. you of this. We were informed of it ourselves. We're all just like shocked. <laughs> well, this gets, it gets worse. Here, listen to this. Leadership worked throughout those three days to find a solution to this crisis. You knew the house was already on fucking fire. <laughs> what you yeah. now you're dealing with? It? it just like reveals how petty and pathetic this all is. We have affirmed with the ABA that our accreditation remains intact. Doesn't matter if you don't have the funding. Well, all we that have does, affirmed. all that does, is shows that the ABA isn't doing shit to accredit law schools. Yeah. The yeah, American Bar Association the perpetuates the scam. I mean, and this is an example of the U.S. Department of Education is just like, nah, uh, uh-uh. uh, we're done. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Sorry, there have to be limits to this. So yeah, fine. Yeah. A- ABA thinks you're great. Well, then that that just means that the ABA is not doing its job. Yep. Uh, we have affirmed with the Fo- Florida Department of Education that our licensure remains intact. Again, same problem. No one gives a fuck. We have recently reached agreement with the investor to relinquish its shares so that the school can apply for reinstatement immediately. A letter setting forth this divestiture was sent to the department yesterday. We intend to reset. It's, it's, I love how they finally took action. Um, we intend to resubmit the application for participation in the loan program. In the meantime, re- we remain committed to conduct classes as usual. Oh, that's that's reassuring. I mean, to translate, um, what happened was <laughs> they were about to go out of business, and they probably still will. Yep. And now the hedge fund, the investor, the equity partner, <laughs> the hedge fund or mutual fund or corporation is but, selling them off. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. like, Oh, you guys can't suck money out of the U S department of out of the student loan program anymore. Peace. <laughs> There's so they're just selling their shares, which are now worthless. I'm yeah. sure. 
And they're just yeah. like, oh, okay, great. That was really nice though, making all that money for all those years. But now you can't, oh, we can't take advantage of the student loan system. Okay, got All right, bye. And so they're just bye. leaving. Yep. Okay, good. And now they're going to reapply for the loan program. Great. Yep. And that, that means they're going to, I, I'm curious what would happen then, because if they do sub, if they do commit to some sort of guarantee that would make the U.S. Department of Education happy, then they're making some substantive change, I'm assuming. But maybe that's also just the weakness of the U.S. Department of Education, right? If they agree to that, um, maybe they have pretty low standards for what qualifies as a school that can participate. But yeah, I'm sure. Anyways. Well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, so give you an idea what kind of a law school, Florida coastal school of law is, um, 75th percentile LSAT 151. So below average, you know, the, the top students at their school are below the average of people who take the LSAT. Their 25th percentile is 146, which quite frankly is just like, if that's the best LSAT you can achieve, you should not be in law school. That is just, it's awful. Their 50th percentile for grades is 2.94. So it's like people who didn't do well in college, didn't do well on the LSAT. Shocker. Man, it sucks, dude. They're not paying back their loan. Well, yeah, and I'm not shitting on the people who go to this school. I'm shitting on the school for existing. Like you've been enriching your equity partner. At, at the expense of the student loan system and these poor kids. Exactly. That's taxpayer money and these kids. Says the ABA, this, uh, this email continues, the ABA requires a school that has had its participation agreement terminated to submit a teach-out plan for approval. Okay, yeah, basically the ABA, to the extent that the ABA has any power... It says, if you've been terminated from the loan program, which is the only way for you to apparently make money, you have to tell us how you're going to teach the students who are still there. Right? Right. That's a teach-out plan. Right. How, how you're going to offload the people who have uh, contracts with you still pending. We will be submitting a plan that would include a two-year time frame for all students to, to complete their degrees. During this time, the school would continue to be accredited thus allowing all graduates to be eligible to apply to sit for the bar examination. Okay, great. We are, however, very hopeful that participation in the loan program will be reinstated and the teach out, teach out becomes unnecessary. I'm not. Uh, actually, I hope the opposite. Yeah, that's the same reaction. Like the fact that, you know, the U.S. Department of Education is sounding like they're they're being tough here, which is good. But it's still like too little, too late, right? This should be happening to way more schools out there that are bottom feeders. Totally. They should be gone. These are parasites on the student loan system. And the U.S. Yep. Department of Education is 100% correct here to just say, no, we're, you guys can do what you want, but we're not going to loan kids crazy amounts of money. Their 509 report, which it infuriates me that these 509 reports are always fucking broken. It says per semester, $39,790. There's no way that's right. There's, it's got to be per year um, because their scholarship information. It says that they give full tuition scholarships to 15% of the class. And it says that the 75th percentile grant amount is 35868 which is sounds like a you know full, full ride. Yeah. So 
<laughs> Do you have any? What, the 509 reports are like half of them are broken. Yeah, it's useless. But but the point I'm trying to make is that they're ripping off kids and they're ripping off the student loan system to the tune of $40,000 a year. And yeah. uh, these people are not able to pay the loans back. And the U.S. Department of Education said, we're not going to do that anymore. And that money is basically going to two groups of people in my mind. It's going to the equity investors, the people who own the school. Yeah. And it's going to overly paid law school professors yeah. who are charging or acting like they are Harvard's and charging that kind of money. To they should there. publish those salaries on these 509s, man. Because that's... Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the dean... So I'd love to know what Dean Goplerud's salary is. Yep. But it's the deans and it's the law professors and it's whoever the equity partners are that are, they are just like milking this system and it's a broken system that just like here, the U S department of education finally steps in and says, Hey, we gotta, we gotta draw a line somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the dean continues, we are exploring any and all avenues for the success and well-being of our students. It's hard to Besides shutting down our school, which yeah. would really help the well-being of your students if you did that. Yep. I want to assure you that this is not a compliance <laughs> issue, but rather a contractual dispute issue. Yeah. Coastal law has been and continues to be on an upward <laughs> trajectory on key student outcomes, including strong recently released employment data for the class of 2020, 2020. Which she <laughs> does not to provide any provide. data. Yeah, you know, at least no. Fagman was bold enough to put in data <laughs> that actually showed that they were dropping and still. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. CPG. Wow, that's how she signed it. Interesting. Um, uh, I don't know where that CPG came from. That's weird. I think oh, that's wait. her like, initials. Oh, this... it. What? Whoa. It, yeah, this email was actually sent from Megan, the director of admissions. But oh. she like, copied the email from the dean and put it inside her email. Oh, I see. CPG, that has to be the initials of Dean Goplerud. But then she goes back into her own voice and says... If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to me or Dean Goplerud. Got it. Then she's got a picture in here of herself. I guess that's her that's director of admissions. Hmm. Megan. Yeah. So maybe the dean is a, a guy or a girl. We don't know who the dean is. No, we don't know who Dean Goplerud is. We do know that none of these people are going to have these jobs for very long. I don't think, um, <laughs> you know, and I, like I don't, I don't mean to be like celebrating, you know, the misery, like I, I certainly feel for these students. Yeah. They're probably panicking. What's going to happen to my law school? What value will it have after I'm done? Um, I feel for Megan, the director of admissions, who's going to be needing to look for another job at probably some yep. other parasitic law school. <laughs> I do not feel for Dean Goplerud or the school or the, um, investors, <laughs> You know, no, and I do not feel bad for any future Florida coastal students who now will decide not to go. It's great. 
if you're still considering this law school seriously, like you are drinking the Kool-Aid and you're like, oh, it's just a contract dispute. Oh, look at how they, they, they stood up to the U.S. Department of Education. I feel horrible for your perception of what the hell is going on here. They take advantage, Ben, of poor, dumb people. I mean, young, poor people. They sell a dream. It's it's really sad, but I mean, the fact that they're going to go away, very likely, hopefully, go away. Is, Did that uh, other school go away? Nothing that but good that news. That you were talking about? Charlotte? Did that other? Yeah. Yeah, they're gone. Um, I think it was, what, Whittier that actually lost their accreditation? That's been in the history of us doing the podcast, that Whittier went away. Um, but I think more new schools have started than old parasite schools have gone away. Oh, geez. And, uh, you know, it's just like, well, let's just move the scam over to a, a different, a, br- a different brand new brand. shiny box, right? Yeah. Totally. Oh, this one's good. Well, I can't do my Ponzi scheme on this corner anymore. Okay. I'll go do my Ponzi scheme, you know, a different neighborhood. I mean, as much as it is to get frustrated with the people at Florida coastal, like the leadership there and the, the owners, the reality is, if, if you really want to solve this problem, I think it goes back to the U.S. Department of Education. It's their fault. Why the hell are they giving out this money without any like concern about the quality of the loan repayments? Yeah, they need to do this like with 50 more law schools. Yeah. You know, the nice thing is, Ben, if you just don't pay for law school, then none of this can even affect you. Yep. It's... If your school closes, you're like, well, that sucks. You lost your time, but you didn't lose all that money. You, you actually, nothing even happens. If, if the best school you could go to was Florida coastal, like if the best school that gave you a scholarship was Florida coastal and you went to Florida coastal, they're going to teach you out and you're going to get your ABA degree and you're going to be able to take the bar. And I mean, mm-hmm. a school like that wasn't doing anything for you anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> them not existing anymore. Sorry. They, you know, okay. They were the worst law school in the country. Now they're not a law school anymore. That's not a big difference to you. You're qualified to mm-hmm. take the bar and hopefully you can hustle your way into a job or hang your own shingle or whatever. It's it. If you didn't pay them tuition, you're fine. If you're not the one, if you're not one of these poor kids who borrowed all this money without any ability to pay it back, then you're fine. But you, yep. you know, you just, people really need to not, not pay for law school. If you don't, if you don't believe us already, I don't know what to say. <laughs> We've said it like 24 times on this show. Horrifying. (laughs) Horrifying. Um, All right. You ready to wrap it up? Yep. Okay. Um, If you'd like to comment on anything um, that we talked about on today's show, please email help at thinkinglsat.com. I assure you that we're not, you know, like celebrating the, uh, the, the, you know, whatever, like the, it's a sad story. The only thing we're celebrating here is the end of a sad story. Celebrating that someone is taking... I'm celebrating the fact that the Department of Education is taking action. Could be the like beginning that, of a happier uh, story if yeah. if they come in and they just chop the heads off of 50 more of these school, you know, of these parasitic law schools. Yeah. Help at thinkinglsat.com if you have any feedback or want to get anything else on the show. Questions about the LSAT demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. That was episode 293 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for Florida Coastal or pretty much any other law school.
Thank you.